This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Morning, everybody. It is lovely to be <laughs> My wife's looking at me. She's saying, don't make any Bristolian jokes. Although I, I'm from Bristol, so I feel like I should. I feel like I should. I feel like I should, I should greet you with the ancient Bristolian greeting. All right, my lovers? All right, everyone all right? Fantastic. And I will finish by saying cheers drive at the end as well. I can't tell you how much that blessed me when I saw they'd actually created a road called Cheers Drive. It just made me so unbelievably happy. It really, really did. Um, It is a joy to be here. Thank you very much for um, hosting us and uh, having this opportunity. I just want to uh, say that we really appreciate Owen and Claire. They have been absolutely fabulous to um, us, really value their friendship, their encouragement and support, not just to us, but to our church as well. And as Liz was saying, Sam and I transitioned out of being the uh, senior leaders of our church back in May. And since then, we have been on a sabbatical. We're now just starting to kind of explore um, what we could be doing next. So that said, I'm going to try and behave very well today. I'm going to try to not talk for too long and all the other things that you're supposed to do. So to keep it really safe, I thought I would just talk about Jesus. Is that okay? Okay, I'm a little bit concerned by that, I'll be honest with you. So I thought I'd just talk about Jesus. Is that okay? Yes. Fabulous. Well done. Brilliant. Um, so all I have to do is just to pause right at the very beginning to consider what it is that we know about him. And specifically, want to think about his personality. So just pause for a second and think about the personality of Jesus. And as soon as you've got a thought that springs to your mind that describes something about the personality of Jesus just as, as loudly and as clearly as you can, just call out whatever springs to mind. That's quite all right. It's okay. Can I just say thank you for leading worship? It was wonderful. Can we have a round of applause for the worship team, please? And I'd like to say that I was paying attention all the way through the worship as well. I just want to throw that out there, you know. So what I was just saying was, (laughs) what I was saying was, think about the personality of Jesus. Just pause for a second, consider his personality. And then when you have a thought that you're happy to share, just call out anything. This is a participatory moment that describes an aspect of Jesus' personality. All right, great. So emotional. Compassion. Compassion. Strength. Confrontational. Oh, confrontational. Ooh, like that. I like that. Bristol folk, you see, straight talking. I like that. It's good. Anything else? Friendship. Friendship. Okay. Anything else about his personality specifically? And there isn't a right answer, okay? I'm not, this isn't one of those things where I'm setting you up for something where there's like, and I'll go, well done. Anything else? Come. It's love. Confident. Thank you. Curious about people. Thank you. Loyal. Loyal. Like Like parties, bit of a party animal. Yep. Wine bibber, I think, was the the olden phrase that was used. Anything else? Feisty. Feisty. Ooh, feisty. Anything else? Humility. Humility. Humble. Integrity. Integrity. Boundaried. Ooh, thank you. Go on, there's another one. Uh, genuine. Genuine. Mm. 
really self-aware. Prophetic. Prophetic. So an attitude, yeah. Anything from the back? Anybody at the very back? Any thoughts? Hung out with everyone. Say that again. Hung out with everyone. Hung out with everyone. Yes. Yes, he did. Well, it's been lovely being with you this morning. And so what I would just invite you to do is just to reflect on those things. I think sometimes when we uh, look at scripture, we will look at it for what he did, not necessarily who he was. And I I appreciate that there's lots of uh, crossover between those two things that they overlap. Um, But I want to suggest this morning that who you are shapes what you do And I want to talk specifically about something that Jesus did, which I think reflects who he was. And again, there's an overlap between those two things. So I think I did have a one slide. Fantastic. Marvellous. So this is from Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And um, this is coming from the New King James Version, just because that's the Bible that my wife gave me about nearly 30 years ago that I still read. And it says this. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. For us to consider this morning together, what does this tell us about who Jesus was and also what does this mean for us? I want to give you a couple of thoughts that are very, very simple, very, very straightforward from this text. And the first thought I want to share with you is this idea that Jesus was somebody who had rhythms and patterns in his life. He had rhythms and patterns. And this is partly the gifts from his family and his culture that's passed on to him, which is obviously littered throughout scripture, but also his choice as an adult to continue to do some of these things. Read in Luke 4, verse 16, It says this, it says, so he came to Nazareth when he'd been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And you get that incredible uh, passage that comes after that. Jesus was someone who had rhythms and patterns. So it's not just this idea he would often withdraw into the wilderness to pray, but he had other rhythms and customs in his life, going to the synagogue. That was part of who he was and part of what he did. We get the same thing with Paul as well. In Acts 17.2, it talks about how Paul, as was his custom, would go into the Sabbath as well. This is Paul who says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The second thing I want to suggest to you is not just did Jesus have rhythms and patterns as part of who he was, but also that he was accustomed to the wilderness. And this is where it becomes probably a lot deeper and a little bit more multi-leveled. So he would withdraw physically into the wilderness. It was something that he became comfortable with. It was something that he sought out. Now, I don't know if you remember Jesus' baptism uh, story, but for me, I remember uh, hearing that and just thinking, what an amazing moment in Jesus' life where he's in the water, he comes up, and then you have this moment where the voice of God is heard, not just by him, but by people around him. It says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, you guys had some baptisms a couple of weeks ago. Exciting time? 
okay? Just do me a favor, just poke the person next to you, just make sure they are still alive, that would be fantastic. So you guys had some baptisms a few weeks ago, exciting time? Yeah. Yeah, Yes, there you go, you're still there, well done. But just think about that for a second. This incredible moment where you have this encounter with God that everybody around you witnesses as well, almost like a kind of pinnacle moment or a mountaintop moment. And then the complete seeming pain and agony of the next line in scripture, which says, and then the spirit led him into the wilderness. That's, as soon as I, I kind of got hold of that, I thought that seems really tight. That seems really mean. You just had this incredible moment with God. All of these people have witnessed this and now the spirit of God is taking you out into the wilderness. And this was a place of real power struggle, a place where Jesus' identity was shaped who he was going to be. It was a place of discovery of himself, but also a real clarity of his purpose and focus as to what was going to come next. And it would have been a place where he would have experienced a lot of silence, stillness, and solitude. And my senses, as I was thinking about this, this was probably a place as well and a time where the Spirit was saying to him, you're going to need to come back here. You're going to come back into the wilderness to be with the Father, to be with me. So Jesus was someone who had rhythms, he had patterns, he was someone who was accustomed to the wilderness, to withdrawing physically. And we know that elsewhere we read, you know, he liked walking by mountains and lakes and other things as well. In, in a modern context, I'd suggest Jesus would definitely be a member of the National Trust. 100%. 100%. But there was something about the wilderness specifically that was very, very different. And we know in this context, again, and these are very, very simple things that I'm pulling out of this text, that he prayed. He went to speak to the Father. He went to commune with God because Jesus is fully God, fully man. And I imagine him telling God his truth in that situation, being real. And friends, I know, and I'll come on to what this means for us, but let me just say this. I know for some of us that can be the hardest thing sometimes is to be in a space and place where we can actually share our truth, actually tell God exactly how we're thinking and feeling. Sam and I both work as um, spiritual directors. And in a, a conversation I had with one person, so not telling you who they are, so I'm not betraying anything from that context, but someone said to me, you know, that, and this is a mature person, mature person both in terms of how long they've been a Christian and how long they've just been on this planet, said to me, I've only recently realized I can tell God how I feel. And part of me thought, well, what were you doing for the rest of the time? Because for me, that's always been essential. And when I look at the life of Jesus, in terms of who he was, I see him doing the same thing because it's essential. It's something that you and I need to do. So Jesus would withdraw with purpose. He didn't just withdraw. He withdrew. He withdrew often into the wilderness. And when he was there, he prayed. Because Jesus understood and needed the practical values of solitude, of being alone of silence, of being still, of rest, even in the midst of struggle, of communion with the Father and the Spirit, of prayerfully working things out and being prepared as well to be in that place for as long as it was needed. Again, go back to that baptism story, you know, he spends a very long period of time in the wilderness. And some of these things that we see here, if we think about the writers of spiritual formation books, 
solitude, stillness, silence. They're some of the biggest pillars of this. Things that are key to you and I being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ, but not always comfortable. Somebody say amen. (laughs) But these are also things that Jesus models and shares with his disciples and other people too. Think about the transfiguration where he takes the three with him. It wasn't just something that he did and was a quiet kind of secret little thing, but he actually took other people with him. Sometimes he took the 12, sometimes crowds followed them to where they were. And Jesus also, just in case you think this is an advert today for introvertism, I think I've just made up a new word there. I don't know if introvertism is a word. Any other introverts in the room? Solidarity, brothers and sisters, solidarity. Jesus also did all the social things, planned, collective, spontaneous meetings, gatherings, meals, events, ceremonies. You know, this is not a thing about whether Jesus is an introvert or an extrovert. You could, clap, you could probably say that he's team both. But he, choose, he chose to withdraw, and if you look at the reasons why, for lots of very, very, very clear reasons. I'm just going to give you a half a dozen reasons why Jesus chose to withdraw. I've touched on some of them already. In no particular order, there's a desire to be with God. Just to be with God. Not anyone else, just to be with God. To be in a place of prayer. You know, sometimes around vineyard churches, I hear people use the phrase, you know, it's great to waste time with God or waste time in worship, just a, just a being with and enjoying with. Jesus would withdraw into the wilderness sometimes because of a time of distress. When John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus withdrew. A time of distress. Because I imagine there are probably very few words that made sense at that point in time that anybody else could say to him. Before making big decisions, the choosing of the 12 in Luke chapter 6, Jesus had gone away and he'd prayed for most of the evening and then returned. To work through grief, think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus withdraws on his own to pray. For sure he comes back later on as grumpy because everyone else has gone to sleep. But he had to have that time for him to be with God as he was working through the grief of what was to come ahead. You know, God, I wish I didn't have to do this. I wish this would pass from me. I wish there was another way. Sometimes in life, to walk through something we have to walk through, we have to be alone with God to get to the place we can say, God, I can... I can surrender it to you even if I don't particularly want to do whatever it is. Jesus would withdraw as well into the wilderness sometimes for renewal, for rest from the work that he'd been doing. You know, there's a story in scripture where Jesus is with the disciples and he says, we need to get away together because we are so overrun. Nobody even has time to eat anymore. How many of you have small children and young families? How many of you have found out that since that happened, you now eat quicker than you thought you possibly could? No time to eat anymore. Also, Jesus would withdraw sometimes to prepare for major tasks, things that were going to come next. You could argue the same thing about Gethsemane. You could say it's the same thing as well in terms of, um, you know, uh, preparing for his whole life just after his, his baptism. But at the heart of it, there is that desire to be with God, to just be alone with God. 
Someone tells a story of, a, of an old French man that used to go into a, a church and he would sit there and I think he would go in most days and he would just sit there for an hour and the priest would kind of acknowledge his presence but didn't want to interfere with, you know, what he was doing. Until one day he decided he'd go up to him and just say, you know, who, who are you? What, what are you doing? And the old French guy said, you know, I come in here, he said, and I sit down, I said, and, and I, I look at him and I tell him I love him. He looks at me and tells me he loves me and then I go home. He was just wasting time with God being alone, withdrawing, didn't need anybody else in that particular context, and that was a space that he could go into. I wonder if we spent a day or week with Jesus during his earthly life, what we would see. I think we would see someone who withdrew often into the wilderness, whether it's a literal or it's a spiritual or it's a both form of wilderness. Someone who knew what he needed, someone said earlier about Jesus being self-aware, and then how to share that with other people, someone who was orientated around the Father, orbiting God's love. So what does this mean for us? On a basic level, I want to suggest very, very, very simply, it's an invitation for you and I to do likewise, to just do the same. Now, as I say that, maybe there are different responses. Maybe there are some of you who have a joy of that, like, wow, this would be great. Maybe you are a more introverted person. Maybe you're a, a real activist and you're just completely repulsed by the idea of just being quiet and still and alone. Anybody? Okay, just a couple of us, just a couple of us. The others are out doing stuff, aren't they? <laughs> That's where they are right now. Maybe there's a sense of confusion, you know, how, how would I do this? Are we, are we, are we just talking about something sim simple like a quiet time, for instance? Is that, is that all that this is? Maybe you're working full-time, spouse, kids, caring for other relatives. Maybe as I talk about this, there is a sense of guilt maybe that comes. You know, I, I can't fit that into my life. I got too much stuff going on. Maybe right now you're very financially stretch, stretched, feeling anxious. You know, there's no doubt that the last couple of years have been very, very peculiar. Maybe you're very worried and consumed and confused by what's going on in the world at this point in time. If you are... I just turn off the news. That's the best piece of advice I can probably give you at this point in time. Maybe you're busy. I meet a lot of people that are very busy both on the inside and on the outside. It reminds me of Martha when Jesus says, you know, Martha was distracted with, with much serving and, and that can even happen in the context of the church. But I want to suggest something to you as you consider this today, which is this. The Spirit's invitation to you and to I begins with the same words that were spoken over Jesus as his baptism. That you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. That's who invites you. That's who beckons you. Because God is love. He initiates through love. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. And I'm not here today to add burdens or guilt to anybody and I'd rather be someone who would acknowledge what your situation is, as I was just suggesting, that you have different circumstances, different cares, worries, responsibilities, and uncertainties. And Jesus says to Martha in the rest of that passage in Luke 10, you know, you are worried and troubled about many things, but doesn't tell her she shouldn't be, doesn't tell her that those things aren't of value. And as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking to myself, this is a moment, actually, I think, where God is saying, I see you, and I understand. 
And maybe that's helpful for some of you to hear this morning. Whatever your circumstances are, God sees you, God understands. But it does also go on and say, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. See, when we move into that space to choose to be with God, to retreat, to withdraw, God is looking to meet us in that place and to honour that, and not to take it away from us, but to engage with us in it. Let me give you an extreme example of something I heard which I thought was fabulously wonderful, of somebody saying, do you know what, I'm going to find a way to withdraw even though my life is crazy. It was a lady, I believe, by the name of Mrs. Wesley, who had a very large family, some of whom we may be familiar with. And what Mrs. Wesley learned that she had to do was she had to do tea towel time. Have you heard of tea towel time? Well, what she would do is she would put a tea towel on her head and she instructed her many children that this was her time not to be disturbed under any circumstances because this was her moment where she was going to withdraw into her own wilderness and pray and be with God. And after a while, the kids realized when mummy has the tea towel on her head, don't disturb her. (laughs) Friends, do you have a tea towel? then maybe you have a way forward. This doesn't have to be as complicated as you think it might be. As an aside, one of the things I started doing over the last couple of years was I started doing a thing called Centering Prayer, which I'll I'll try and share with you guys in a few moments. And as part of my doing of that, I would sometimes sit in a room in our house and I'd sit and I'd put my hood up if I was wearing a hoodie. And to begin with, my wife and my two adult children would come into the room and start talking to me. And then as I ignored them, they just realized, we just need to leave him alone. And they got used to it. And I have these moments where the door would fling open and someone would go, (sighs) and the door would just shut again. But they left me alone. You can train adults to behave in ways that you would like them to, to a point, to a point. Now, on a deeper level, maybe this is a time for us to meditate and reflect on who we are and where we are in life. You know, is this a time where we need to look at some of the actual rhythms and practices we have? Because you all have them. But the question, so this is never a thing about how, how can I be more disciplined or organized, not that those things are, are, are bad. You all have rhythms and practices already. The question is just, are they working for you? And do you need to switch one in and switch another one out? reprioritize something in some shape or form. My sense is is that Jesus' invitation to you as a church is, come away with me. Come away with me. Let's strengthen a hidden life together. Do you remember that old vineyard song we used to sing? I don't know if you guys ever sing it. In the Secret. Do you remember that? In this, I, was, I went and looked at the lyrics. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness, you are there. I used to love that song because Sonic Youth did a cover of it. And it was this big, massive, epic, like rock song thing. And I was like, yeah, this is great. And then you'd listen to the lyrics and go, do we miss the point? Just maybe a, a, little, a little bit here. Because the reality is, friends, no matter how charismatic you might be, how skilled, how gifted, how experienced, uh, how great your contacts are, your network of people, what your level of effort or determination is, it's only going to take you so far. 
It's only going to take you so far in life. So we have to consider our life patterns. The old monks used to have a thing called the rule of life, which has become popular again, where they would try to order themselves around God in every moment as they went through the day. Now, for you and I to do the same thing that they did is going to be challenging, obviously. Maybe you're in a space right now where you need some help. Is this a time in your life where the input of a counsellor or a spiritual director might be helpful in some shape or form? I don't know, but these people are available. In Proverbs 20, it says this. It says, counsel in the heart of a man. It also talks about intentions or purposes in other translations. is like deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Friends, sometimes we need a man or a woman of understanding to walk with us, to understand what's going on in our soul. I'd love to close by doing a spiritual practice with you, if I could. Have we got time? Yeah, okay, fantastic. Um, But you've been sat down for a long time, so would you like to just get up and have a little stretch or something first? Turn around. You know, you can go full charismatic if you want. Or a Neo, you know, we can try one of those if you want, anything like that. Or anybody want to do some push-ups? Anybody feel like it needs to just... No, we haven't got any push-uppers in. Okay, cool. Maybe just have a stretch for a minute or two, and then whenever you feel comfortable, if you want to sit back down. And I'd love to just share a spiritual practice with you. Something which I joked about a few minutes ago, but something that in, in my life has been really massively helpful as an intentional, expressed way to withdraw, to be alone with God, where I can pray, where I don't really have to do much. Because even though I can stand here and I could talk to you for a lot, 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 lot longer, trust me, okay, I run out of words. And sometimes in our relationship with God, we either run out of words or we don't want to speak. We just want to be present with God and we might not know how to do that. Anybody else ever feel like they run out of words and things to say? Yep. So I find this really, really helpful. This is a thing some of you may have practiced before. This is a, this is a thing called centering um, prayer. Very, 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 very simply, centering prayer is a way in which you can sit and be with God and be still and be quiet and not have to overthink things too much. So what I'm going to invite you to do, if that's okay, is could I just ask you just to, as you're sat, close your eyes. And the reason for that is, firstly, it gives everyone in the room privacy. And secondly, what it does is it gives you more energy for what we're going to do. Because whenever your eyes are open, you have the energy of like trying to concentrate and focus on the things around you. And if you're like me and a real people person and always watching things, it's really easy to get massively distracted. So we encourage you to try to sit in an upright posture if you can. And we encourage you to try and have your back firm against the chair if you can to have both feet flat on the ground. This just helps to center you. And we encourage you as well to just have your hands on your lap. Again, it just helps to relax your body. You can have them palms up or palms down. It it really doesn't matter. I would encourage you just for 60 seconds or so, just to come back to your breath. Just become aware of your breath in your body. And just see if you can take a few breaths in through your nose. Just feel that air. Feel your chest and then just gently release it through your mouth. 
And this is a really wonderful way of coming back to, you know, that God has put his breath into us. It's, you know, God's breath in us. And it's what keeps us alive and sustains us. It also helps you to just step out of your mind a little bit and just step into your body. Because God has made us heart, body, mind and soul. And we're all interconnected. going to give you 30 seconds or so. <coughs> just encourage you now just to stay in that place where hopefully you're a little more relaxed. You've got your eyes closed, you've come back to your breath. And in Centering Prayer, what we do is we move on in a few moments to spend time just trying to hold a thought about God in the centre of ourselves. And specifically, what I would invite you to do is to either think about the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, We're giving God our attention or an aspect of God's character such as love, grace, mercy or hope. But before we do that, I want you to just invite you just to firstly be aware of if there's anything right now that's really large in your mind and just to acknowledge that. anything right now that's large in your mind just to acknowledge that and then what we're going to do in a few moments is I'm going to encourage you to hold either the member of the trinity that you chose whichever one resonates you feel closest to or the aspects of God's character and we're going to spend a few minutes and this is just centered prayer focusing on that and then as we move into that I'm going to encourage you to just acknowledge if you have rogue random thoughts that come through your mind it's okay this is not some strange thing where we're trying to shut everything out if our focus is on God but we're human beings so different ideas will spring through your mind when it happens just acknowledge it put it to one side and then come back to whatever it is you're focusing on centering on Father Son Spirit Grace The last thing I'll just say before we go into that is this. I spent about two years focusing on God's grace in centered prayer. And when I got distracted by something, if it was a good thing, I just acknowledged it, said, God, that's your grace to me, and I let it go. And if it was a big thing that I was overwhelmed by, I just said, God, you know what, your grace is bigger than that. And then I just let it go out the other side of my head. So we're just going to take three, three to five minutes now. Just want to invite you just to stay in that place and just focus on a member of the Trinity or an aspect of God's character. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence.
I'm just conscious of uh, time, so I just encourage you just to slowly come back into being back with the rest of us when you feel uh, comfortable. And sometimes a good way to close out some time like this, if you're doing this on your own, is to just come back to your breath again. Maybe use something like the Lord's Prayer as a, as a, as a way out can be quite good, or uh, the uh, Orthodox prayer, the Jesus prayer is quite good, either a beginning or an end as well. But yeah, whenever you just feel comfortable, just encourage you just to come back into the room with the rest of us, as it were.